0: Welcome to The Game Chat. I'm Alan Higgins. In this episode, Kelly Donnelly and I talk with Sarah Mina, the artist behind Dudlio Studio, about creating art for game design.
1: Uh, Sarah Mina is our guest today. And, uh, Sarah is a visual artist and she's worked on a variety of projects from small indie board games to larger mobile titles and even to movie festivals in which she describes as getting much needed experience. She started Dulio Studios and creates art and user experiences for all kinds of users. So, uh, first of all, Sarah, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hello, welcome. Uh, So, uh, it's basically repeating what you said, uh, but... um... Uh, I'm a I'm a 2D artist. Uh, I was born in Portugal, uh, but the industry uh, jobs there aren't um, too big for what I wanted, so I had to leave the country. And I settled first in Dublin, in Ireland, uh, where I started working for games in a tiny little um, company called Sugar Games. Uh, and from there, I jumped here and there in, a different, um, in different works and different types of jobs and in different countries. I also went to Germany and to Sweden. And then I got back to Ireland, but uh, this time in Galway, because I really enjoyed this country and the people here. And I felt the games industry here was very welcoming. Uh, so for now, I think I will be settling in Ireland. So I decided to open my own studio.
1: You said you worked. You know, you enjoyed the game industry in Ireland. Um, as an artist, would you mind talking about the experience of working with game designers?
2: Basically, every game designer it's it's its, it's own person. But I'd say uh, it depends on the company. Uh, usually, when you're in smaller companies or smaller game studios, you can talk with the game designer directly. But when you go to uh, bigger companies, um, There's there's not that direct contact, so you kind of uh, just need to read a lot of design documents and read a lot of wikis that people create within the company and go from there. Usually I will talk with game designers on those situations only when I had some weird uh, questions that nobody could answer me.
1: So do you think it's better than to work in smaller companies? You get a more kind of hands-on, more? I'd
2: say, I'd say it depends on the person. Uh, Personally, I prefer to work on smaller companies, uh, but that's again how I prefer to work overall, not just for game designers. Um, So I'd say some, let's say some artists that likes to uh, do just uh, their art and don't want to be bothered with other questions, a big company might be a better suit for them because they don't have to do that direct contact. Uh, in my case, when I'm creating something, I like to understand uh, the concept behind it and how to better suit what I'm doing to a certain game. Uh, so I prefer to have that direct contact, which I find uh, a lot better
1: in smaller companies. The interactions between, um, like artists, designers, level designers, narrative writing. You know what? What is that like? And is it different to every unique project? Or
2: yes, it is different. Um, not not to every project, I would say, but at least to um, every team because you change one person and the team dynamics. Might change uh, sometimes subtly, sometimes just radically. Uh, so it it really depends on what kind of people you're working on and if they share the the same values and ideas that that you that you do.
1: So it must be really nice when you just kind of get along with the team and it all kind of clicks and works. It must oh be quite yes,
2: nice. yes. I mean that's that's part of working overall and being a professional. It's not just the work you do, but also the way you interact with people and how you make a certain project and a certain team feel great where they are and what they're working on.
1: Speaking of art, uh, looking through the portfolio, um, Anakira is one of the more like visually stunning games that, that I found when I was looking through everything. And it's mentioned that you drew inspiration from uh, Japanese paintings. And I'm just wondering, where did you actually find the paintings that? Ins- you?
2: Oh, actually that's a good question because this is something I try to instill in other artists that work with me. I actually went to museums to um, get inspiration. Usually uh, other artists go to the internet and that's also a great medium for search and to find things, but I also like to try something a little bit different just to avoid getting the same references as other people so whenever I try to work on a project, I either go to a museum or I try to get very old books that relate to that subject, just to get a different input from um, other sources.
1: Because there's probably a lot of kind of images on the Internet and it almost gets overwhelming. Maybe you can get a better sense of an image, you know, when it's alone in a museum or when it's just on a page in a book, maybe.
2: Yes, exactly, and um, you also uh, get the context better because sometimes, uh, or not sometimes, most of the times you're seeing the that content kind of filtered to a certain lens. So, and if you want to get it from a different lens, uh, say for example, in case of Japanese art, you might see something that is filtered to uh, a European filter or standards of how we will see something. But if you try to look for an exhibition that was curated by someone that was native from that area, you might get a different sense and a different context to it that might be useful and inspiring
0: to you. Having good public museums is, is providing some of that art in context, as you said, and you're seeing art Probably in conjunction with the materiality of other props from an era, so you get that sense of uh, space, not just the visual the 2 d plane but also the
2: one one visit to a museum that was mind blowing for me was one with uh, old carriages uh, like the horse pulled ones um, that i I finally was able to sort out volumetrically how those worked and how much space. They they fill the room with just uh, like the horse pulled ones um, that I I finally was able to sort out volumetrically how those worked and uh, how much space they they fill the room with.
1: And do you prefer to work from like one or two paintings, or do you kind of prefer to like build up a an arsenal of paintings that would inspire a game?
2: Um, I would prefer an arsenal of paintings. Uh, I was able to do that for some uh, for some projects. For others, there was a serious <laughs> time issue, and I had to go with just one or two and kind of just go from there. But I would prefer an arsenal of paintings because usually my first one is not the best one. Might might look really pretty, but then when I look at it a few days or a few months later, I just go like, okay, yeah, I know where I got all of this. And it was like the first thing that comes to my mind. I could have pushed this a little better.
1: Perfect. And you said, um, you mentioned about time restraints and stuff like that. So yep. like what would be maybe the most challenging parts of your job?
2: Time constraints is is one of them and the juggling between doing changes that other people want you to make and you don't think they're really uh, a good change. So you kind of get a lot of stress from um, that back and forth.
1: So it's kind of hard, you know, if a creation is sort of your baby, it's kind of hard to to give over that.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say say it's... uh, uh, I I think I already uh, passed that phase of the baby, but... (laughs) Yeah, things we learn. (laughs) But I I think I'm already over that. But sometimes it's just I uh, I create something that for me makes more sense even as a user experience thing. And people keep telling me to change it. Say, for example, I create buttons and they're all green when when I tap on them. But they want one specific button to be yellow for some reason. And then you kind of need to go back and forth and explain the whole process of why are they all green and why changing one to yellow will probably affect the other stuff. It's more that uh, thing that can be a bit challenging, um, during a process, during the project, especially when you have time constraints.
1: <laughs> ah, so trying to explain like more visual elements and stuff like that to people. Yeah, exactly.
2: Because most of the time I, I assume that people, that everybody is visual and understands what I'm trying to get there. Uh, But turns out, uh, even if if most people are um, visual, uh, they get, they understand things differently or they don't see yet the connections that uh, we artists are trying to make.
1: And does it ever get really frustrating when somebody just cannot see it the way that you see it?
2: Uh, yes, it does, but that's part of life. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's something everybody needs to kind of expect and work through it. Not just for artists, but also for game designers. Because uh, I, I I had the the other way around, where the game designer is trying to explain me something and going like, "This is the logic I'm trying to follow," and I he, before he explained to me, uh, I couldn't figure it out and then when he explained it was like mind-blowing
1: <laughs> so it's it's more of a, a life lesson to carry yes. with you Ah, yeah. okay okay that's cool and as well like you say about you know when you finally when you finally get something it feels amazing so like what would be the more rewarding parts of the job
2: well well i will say the most rewarding one for me for now will be actually shipping game. Um, because I've had some projects where the projects were cancelled or they just kept on going and they still haven't been launched anywhere. So I would say that one is a big reward for me.
1: So actually getting a game onto yep. the shelves or into the shops. Exactly.
2: And, uh, and sometimes if you actually get a physical copy of the game, Oh man, that feels great because most of the things I did are basically virtual. So you get only a screen <laughs> with things. Uh, a but, link. Yeah, <laughs> basically that. My portfolio is just links, basically. <laughs> but to, to get a physical copy, uh, for example, I would love to work in a project where I actually get the art book from that project with art that I did. But that ever hasn't happened yet.
1: Not yet, though. That's yep. the thing. Yes. That's the good word to, to focus on. Yes. But, um... So
2: you game designers out there, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever create a company, get some, some time and money post-project to create the art book to please your art. Oh, yeah.
1: I explicitly say Sarah needs an art book as part of this project.
2: <laughs> Next time I'm negotiating for a project, I'll try to put that there.
1: So, um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a game that you, it's an industry you have to compromise a lot in. So yeah. how did you know that you wanted to go into an industry like this?
2: Um, well, at the time I didn't. Um, but when before, before changing to this company, I was working in a ads company. I will say that I will. I studied graphic design, uh, so I went on that route first, um, and in that industry, there's also a lot of compromise. I, I'd say that's actually something that happens in all companies, uh, in all industries. I mean, even even for teaching and having lessons, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of compromise that needs to be done.
1: So it's kind of in every field, it's just something that you have to deal with.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, and what kind of prompted you into it? What kind of, on a positive note, what prompted you into oh, it? Oh
2: well, because I've always loved animation, and I wanted to to make it. Um, but at the time, uh, I couldn't find any animation companies that would get me in, uh, because I wasn't at school, so I couldn't get um, I couldn't go from that route. Uh, and my work experience wasn't really related to that. And then I started noticing that, okay, yeah, games also have animation. I can do that. That's the future. Uh, So I tried to go from there, and so I got lucky and landed a job in Ireland for for that, and I never left it ever since.
1: And it's working out quite well. Yes,
2: (laughs) it is. It is. For now, my only struggle is uh, that I'm trying to um, make games that are a bit more beneficial to the world instead of just pure entertainment, and
1: it can be a bit tricky to to find those kind of projects. So you you're trying to like focus on like educational games, is it? Or I wouldn't say just educational,
2: not just for kids, but games that are about say. Um, Environmental awareness and uh, those kinds of issues that we're dealing to the uh, um, today.
1: And would you like as as a creator? Would you like to weave these messages into a storyline? Is that how you'd approach that? Or um, well, I would say
2: yes, it needs to be in the storyline. But uh, visually, you can tell a lot of things um, that also convey that message. Yeah. They, it's It's kind of like the story tells you while the the visuals show you, and sometimes with visuals you can input things that you don't think about them them, but your brain does and you kind of get the message subliminally,
1: yeah, it kind of sinks in on a deeper level that's <laughs> that's really cool, so it's it's kind of like you're trying to lean towards games that have a meaning as well as as you know, are visually quite impressive as yes,
2: well. Yes, exactly. Uh, I don't know if it's because of my age <laughs> or <laughs> if it's uh, just because the world is also uh, getting me to notice those things, and I would like to tell people about those too.
0: What you're talking about, I suppose, is a ludonarrative resonance between the game intent and the presentation of that in the art and the feel that's conveyed in the representation, the visual
2: Yes, exactly that. And that's exactly why I prefer to talk with game designers directly to uh, actually get what they're trying to do and be able to resonate with the visuals.
1: And so as an industry, like, do you find it a difficult industry to work in in general? I know we've kind of talked about it, but like, especially as a woman dealing with game designers, can it be a very male dominated space at times?
2: Um, yeah, I would say it's uh, it's a difficult industry, uh, just overall. Um, as, uh, as a woman, um, again, I, I encountered all sorts of, of, of people. Um, but I, I would say my, uh, my experience has been mostly positive. Uh, I would say the, the only one I notice is that sometimes in meetings, I just get, um, it's hard for me to... Make other people just listen to me.
1: <laughs> so it's there can be times when you're kind of spoken over. Yeah, and that kind of thing. Okay, yeah,
2: a bit like that. Okay, but other than that, um, I, I had all just positive experiences.
1: Okay, so we're going in the right direction, but it's not perfect. Yes, right?
2: definitely, and <laughs> I've been, uh, and luckily, I've been finding more and more uh, women that work not just in arts but in other. Um, in other areas especially programming
1: yes yes that's really really encouraging to hear i'm really happy to hear that and uh, on the complete flip side if you had unlimited time unlimited funds on a passion project what would you do apart from an art book
2: (laughs) yes Uh, i am investing right now in an art project basically the project is about uh, links um, and there's a species of lynx called the Iberian lynx, which is uh, specific to the Iberian peninsula where I, that has Portugal and Spain. And that uh, animal was almost at the brink of extinction. And uh, due to a lot of efforts and uh, funding for uh, conservation programs, they have been able to uh, breed a lot more animals and get them into, um, into the wild. So Portugal didn't have uh, Iberian lynxes 10 years ago, and now there is like plus hundreds lynxes out there. And I always found that story so inspiring that I would love to be able to create a game that Tells about that and again instills that environmental and conservational awareness in people, so we don't let that happen. Because it's not only the lynx that has that problem. There's also a lot of other species in the Iberian Peninsula that have that um, that have to deal with uh, extinction, and they're not as cute as a lynx, so nobody cares as much <laughs> about them. So I would say for now it will be that one, but. I've been one year in Ireland and I've already found so many interesting things and stories that I would love to deal with that if you ask me that question in three years from now, uh, I might have a different answer.
1: <laughs> it's always dangerous to ask artists that question, I feel. Yeah,
2: that's why I never got a tattoo. I can never figure out what I want.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And... um You know, speaking of funds and stuff like that and time, uh, what kind of changes would you make within the industry if you could?
2: I would say uh, one that really needs to be dealt with is actually funding from the government. And at least on the artist's case, um, actually see video games as an art product. Because right now, artists that work on video games, they cannot get an exemption for doing art projects because they're working in the a video game, even if that video game has all the things that needs to be considered a work of art. So that one, would, I would love that one to, to change. And then funding uh, overall uh, for video games, they should really um, get more schemes uh, for, for that. I, I think video games for now already proven that...
1: And then kind of, you know, a more personal question. What would be your favorite thing that you've ever made? Uh,
2: well, actually, Onikira was uh, one of my favorites, uh, not just because of the game, but the team uh, in, in, that, uh, in that studio was amazing. I really enjoyed working with them. I'm going to pick that one for, for now. Uh, and then for the project that I want to do, I'm going to say the art book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the art book. Yes. This podcast should just be called uh, Sarah's Art Book. Yeah, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) My final question um, is, as a one-person studio, you run your own business. And aside from making an income, do you find yourself constantly spending on software and technology to to kind of keep up with expectations from clients?
2: At least for me personally, I... Do try to get into other software and understand what's the most recent technology thing that I can use in art.
0: Do you feel any um, a draw into moving into 3D and animation more deeply?
2: Um, I would say right now with things like uh, Blender, uh, we're able to do a mix of 2D of 3D that looks 2D um, a bit more so. I think that niche is slowly um, spreading. Uh, so I would say I see myself going into, into that, into uh, 3D and um, animation and see what I can get from there.
0: Yes, of course, a lot of games and developments are um, choosing a 2D style, even though they might be developed in a 3D environment.
2: Yes, exactly. I would say there's strength to everything, uh, but you can create a 3D that looks 2D and you save a lot of time in certain poses. And then when you want to do, do uh, some more uh, complex animations, you can switch it all to full 2D in another program and integrate both of them. There has been some games that are doing that to uh, a very with very good results
1: so on that note we'd like to thank you for making the time in your busy schedule to talk to us today Um, and thank you for sharing your knowledge and insights into the art of game design
2: yeah thank you so much this is much appreciated and i enjoy being able to talk with other people especially now with the lockdown